Good afternoon, everyone. Hi there, it's Karina here from Unua, and I'm here in the studio this afternoon, so I hope you'll listen in for the next hour, and I'm going to be joined by my guest, who is unfortunately not arrived in the studio just yet, so mm. hopefully she'll be here soon, but fortunately I have my companion here, Mary O'Sullivan, and she's always on the switch here, and um, she's going to join me talking a little bit about our subject today, which is going to be mindfulness, and what's that all about, and what it means to us. Obviously, it's something that uh, it's very big at the moment and it's something that is um, a lot of people are confused as to what it's all about, really. And I said, I'd love to know uh, what your take is on that one, Mary, because it's something that uh, we all have our own little view on. And Well, yes, mm. indeed, uh, Karina, it's something that, that I have an interest in as well, mm. uh, because, you know, we, we live such busy lives and lives then yes. we, we kind of can get scattered. And it is it's something I try and practice myself, you know, particularly if you're confronting a problem. You know, sometimes just step back and then you think afterwards, what was I worrying about? Yeah. You know, yeah, it is. It's so true, isn't it? We do all have such hectic lives and uh, things take over and it is it can be so stressful. It's yeah. how we deal with those stresses. But I love Absolutely. about the whole mindfulness thing. It also incorporating, um, you know, meditation and, and taking that time out for mm. ourselves. And, and as you said, step back and just, you know, analyze the situation, and try and look at it from a different perspective. And I think that, you know, we tend to give ourselves too much to worry about and stress about. We do. And if we can just remove ourselves and stay in that that one place and just remember and bring it back to ourselves and, you know, try and, and, and face it and approach it in a different manner. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's very hard to, to kind of try and explain that to some people because some people obviously, you know, if you're in the moment and you're stressing, you've got all these worries and pressures yeah. on you. And to try and explain mindfulness, it's all airy-fairy and no. people think, you know, whatever. But it is so important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I don't think you can actually explain it. It's one of those things you actually have to experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think you do have to experience it. And uh, it really is, as I said, it, it fascinates me. And I think that it's um, obviously one of those things that are, it's, it's, it's talked about a lot and a lot more as it's our personal development program that we have been pushing for a long time. Mindfulness is obviously has been a part of that. And um, I've got to see new ways of thinking and, and processing thoughts. And I've yeah. learned a lot from that. And I love the fact that it's in the schools now. I think it's so essential and oh, important yes. for kids to have this in their lives. because Yeah, especially if mm. there's so many distractions, unlike, say, when we were kids. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, do you know what, Mary? Just come through the door now is... Uh, is our, my guest for today, uh, uh, Neve Kelly, has just arrived in the studio and um, she's going to talk about mindfulness and uh, I'm delighted she's just arrived in and uh, yeah, you got here anyway. So listen, Neve, we're going to talk today about mindfulness and myself and Mary have just been talking about it, what it means to ourselves, but I know you're obviously doing this for a long time now and uh, as I said, it's something that obviously it's very relevant and very important. So and I'd like to hear more and your take on the whole thing and, and where did you start? When did uh, it all start back? Where did it start with yourself, Neve? And uh, where did um, you know? When did you get the interest in the you know, mindfulness? And right. Um, so mm. a number of years ago, I was actually um, in a difficult situation in my own life. Yes. Uh, I was in a work environment, and I was being I was experienced I was experiencing bullying. Oh right. Okay. Right. Okay. And it was very difficult. And I think for mm. me, I actually didn't know how to deal with it. Deal with it. I didn't know how to cope with the feelings, the situation. Yeah. And then I managed to extract myself from it. Mm. And uh, I thought everything was then just going to plan. This was kind of pretty much back to back. And the next minute, the next minute I found myself in an accident on the M50. Oh, <laughs> my God. A car crash, right? And uh, at that point, I didn't realize then that it was necessary, actually, in my life. But mm. at that point, it was um, I was pushed into a place within myself, really, where I had no choice but to seek authentic healing. Wow. And, uh, you know, because I think mm. we can be very good at uh, coping, like being resilient, but not necessarily dealing with the issues, you know, that kind Absolutely of way. Absolutely, I do. Mm. So, um, and society kind of teaches us not to talk about our feelings or to, that it's not, that you're not normal if you're not happy mm. and you're not normal if you don't fit the stereotype of the default, right? So true, yes. So, um, very fortunately, um, just yeah. prior to the accident, I don't know if you've heard of Thich Nhat Hanh. He's no. a Zen Buddhist master. So he's known as the father of mindfulness because he's accredited with bringing it actually to the West, really. Fantastic. So mm. um, I was very fortunate that I used to, in the place that I was working, mm. uh, some of his monastics had come in a few months earlier mm. and uh, an email had been sent around and a number of us went to this presentation that they were giving about mindfulness. And I remember walking in the door and these just beautiful, uh, solid, stable, mm. simple people were talking about yes. uh, eating a grape mindfully 
right? Right. So I had this amazing experience where they brought in a punnet of grapes mm. and they asked us to just sit back and to reflect about the journey of that grape and where it had come from. Brilliant. And we don't do that, you know? No. So I was sitting back and I was like, they were telling, they were just getting us to understand like that it was on a vine at one point and mm. the amount of conditions that were, la- were required naturally, like the earth and yeah. the, the rain, the sunshine, mm. and that there was people harvesting that. Mm for a living being brought to I don't know necessarily how just if you can even track the idea of they had to be harvested and then the transport from whatever country you know that came to Ireland and then brought into a warehouse right it's incredible isn't it because you don't (laughs) think we all take it for granted eat a grape one after the other and you know the thoughts behind it what what to it's fascinating so it was um but it was the first time in my life that I had really stopped and genuinely reflected on just the miracle of something so simple as a grape. Mm. And mm. when that experience was over, I thought, who are these people? Mm. What is this? This is amazing. And fortunately, there was uh, Thich Nhat Hanh was speaking in the conven- convention centre in Dublin City mm. the next day. And I was very lucky there was like a ticket left, a few tickets maybe. There was 2,000 people in the centre. Wow, I didn't even know who he was exactly, yes. right? I didn't know who he was. And um, yeah. I just... Mm-hmm. I can't it's it's hard to articulate how powerful the experience was because he's he's enlightened so he's just mm-hmm. his vibration's so high he's pure love. Yes. So I went in there. His energy is obviously incredible. It's amazing, you amazing. know. Yes, exactly. And though I listened to this beautiful man speak just pure love and mm-hmm. himself and 50 monastics were there and they were singing a song of compassion and sending the energy to the audience and as they sang the tears in me started to flow so and it's a very emotional experience to have to it was so amazing, yeah, amazing. Just, just unconditional love is the only way I could describe yeah. it and that evening I walked out of there and I said I don't know who these people are but I know they're going to be part of my future yeah that's beautiful yes. that's such a lovely story <laughs> that's actually really impacts the whole like it, it makes it you know even more as I said the visualization of where your journey started and what the situation you were in and what led you to do what you're doing now yeah. it's like sometimes I think the power of attraction and the power of people and and energy and uh things and some prayer. opportunities of prayer and, and the opportunities that are out there and, and you know situations that we find ourselves in sometimes very often we ignore exactly. we don't look inside ourselves and our own per, you know where different situations can lead us and obviously you things happened in your life negative things and things that you can reflect on now that although there were very bad situations in your life that you you overcame the adversity of it all and you you found ways to find your real true self and I love that and that's this was it but that's Mm. where this was the beginning really because even though at that point when the accident had happened you can imagine I was stressed I really ended up actually being burnt out and traumatised at the same time emotionally and psychologically Mm. so when I went to Plum Village um, I can only describe it as walking into a sea of love fantastic just they they live in mindfulness 365 days a year 24-7 so when you read it in books it's one thing (coughs) But when you, but when you yeah, mm, I know. Absolutely. But when you totally walk into story. exactly, and mm. so it's like, I would recommend anyone to go there because you know to actually experience what happens when you do live mindfully. You actually mm. need to see people in that environment and how it transforms them. Mm. And so, really, what it was when I went there, it was like that was the beginning, really, of genuinely a rebirth for me, Maybe. because when you um, come, when you start to live mindfully. They taught me how to c- breathe consciously, yes. being okay. aware, breathing in. I know that I'm breathing in. Yeah, that's breathing so out. Mm. I know that mm. I'm breathing out. That's the bridge between bringing our mind home to the present moment. The bridge between our mind and our body. Mm. And if you if you can do that, it helps you to actually really be here, be present, and not caught up in the stories that our mind tells us. Yeah. So conscious breathing was a huge thing. They taught me how to. Uh, walk mindfully again yeah. they taught me how to sit how to eat it was really like Very a child I know <laughs> right? learning things in a different way consciously yeah consciously because the neurolinguistics um, programming is obviously it's the NLP is something we've talked about before and it's mm-hmm. obviously the way you're programmed and the way we automatically think um, I think it's 93% of our, our brain is our unconscious mind and 7% is our conscious mind. So it's how do we tap into that unconscious mind or the, the actual unconscious mind to try and make it part of our, you know, of, 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 of our being and trying to tap into that and find the kind of, as you said, the strengths and the resources that we do have and think of things on a different level. 
Um, so I think, and sometimes, you know, certain things, certain knocks and certain situations in your life happen, negative things, and, you know, you either fall with it or else you rise up from the from that and you, you make something of it. And uh, you're obviously guided into the right the right path for yourself, you know, and was part of your journey has led you to what you're doing now, which is... Because what it has taught me, you know, and we can mm. go into maybe more of the intricate part of it from a psychotherapeutic perspective. I've given yeah. the model there that right. I use in my work, but really, ultimately, when I stand back now and I reflect on what's happened in my journey, it allowed me, mindfulness has facilitated me to learn how to genuinely begin to love myself. Mm-hmm. Because Thich Nhat Hanh says, uh, to love is to be there. Mm-hmm. How can you love if you are not there? And I know that we can't love anyone else until we first know how to love ourselves. So the question is, mm-hmm. how can I be there for myself? Right, okay. How can I be there when strong emotions come up? Mm-hmm. How can I be there when difficult thoughts come up? Because this is <coughs> what really we're talking about. So if I'm in a difficult situation, there's our internal experience mm. always. And then yes. there's the external environment. Yes. So how do I respond in a way that's loving to myself mm. and, uh, you know, benes- beneficial or constructive? And it isn't going to cause me or other people more suffering when I'm challenged. Right. Yeah. And so Fantastic. that was that's the question. Right. Because life asks us these questions. What are you going to do when a painful emotion or a painful uh, thought yes. manifests. Absolutely. And this is what how mindfulness teaches us. How right? to deal with it. And how to deal with these, right? How to how to be solid, how to... Mm. Yes, and it's a practice. It is, I'm sure. It, this is it, just how to ma- master that. And mm. I think that now a lot of people are a lot more aware, more conscious of, you know, the fact that uh, meditation and how getting in touch with, you know, stepping back because we all have so much stress and pressure in our lives now. And it's how you deal with that. And there is better ways of dealing with it. And it's just really, we have the resources in ourselves. It's just how we use those resources and how we deal with those. Is we, we have to learn. Sometimes we train, just learn how to do it. And it's um, it's people like you that have gone through the experience and are actually come out the other side of it that are out there doing great things out there in the community. And it's phenomenal. And um, I know you do great work already out there. And um, it's very inspiring. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, it's it's something that we should all really know more about um, and, uh, and to have to compassion, help and compassion to have compassion for ourselves, because I think one of the things that we do forget, or that we don't even realize a lot of the time, is that conditioning that we have in our minds. You know, from mm. the moment we're born, we're conditioned mm. first by our families, our parents. And it's not mm. that I'm trying to blame the parents <laughs> because they had their parents and their parents before them, yeah. right? So we have this beautiful baby with this blank sheet of a mind, and then you have this conditioning being developed, right? Mm. So, for example, if your mother might be a little bit anxious, you might take on that kind of conditioning to respond or different things like that. Right. Um, And then you have to stand back and realize, okay, we're born in Ireland. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, we're fortunate, but it has like the recession, different things would have impacted the way we respond and the way that we're living. You think about a child that's been reared in the last few years, like in Syria, like the impact that's going to have on their conditioning. Absolutely. Right. Mm, So the thing is, here we are now today and we have you know, these neural pathways within our mind that teach us or that actually what they do is if we aren't mindful, we respond to things that arise in our lives on autopilot from these conditioned patterns that we're used to. Does that make sense? So yeah. another word from is habits. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Mm. So um, say, for example, you were criticized a lot as a child mm. and then your work and your manager gives out to you one habit would be to be defensive right <laughs> so yes right so we have all yes. these different okay Coping Our, mechanisms, right exactly okay <laughs> mm. so um and yes and so this is what happens but as we get older we have to ask ourselves like you know is this a beneficial way to respond if i respond in this way what kind of mm. um suffering am i creating for myself or other people and mm. to ask ourselves to is this true? What, what might have been true to cope as a child may not necessarily be true or functional mm. now. Mm. So this is it, you and know. It can be very hard to break those habits and change, the alter the way you think. So, but it is so possible. And um, it's amazing what the, what the brain, what you're, it's amazing what you can overcome, what you can, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what you can overcome and achieve, you know what I mean? If you try and find, tap into those, 
those different aspects, different parts of your life and try and deal with them in a different, have a different approach to them. Absolutely. You know, but we're all capable of change. Absolutely. But the key thing is, and I have learned this, yeah. there is no um, magic wand, right? And that's really important because I used to look for one. And a lot of the clients who come into me want a magic wand, yes. right? There is none. And what's really important is to understand, but there, mindfulness means to be aware mm. and to look deeply. That's what mindfulness means. So if I'm aware that, for example, um, I spend a lot of time at work mm. and I realize that I work a lot, but I'm not maybe giving the time to my family. The first thing is to actually to become aware because a lot of the time we're not aware of our habits. Yes, do you know what I mean? I do. Mm. And then with compassion to sit down and to actually like look deeply. What do I mean by that? <coughs> what are the causes and conditions that are leading me to behave in this way? Okay. Mm. So just very gently, and that's something that has to be done in a quiet space in the stillness within, because mm. we have a tendency to try to resolve all of our problems cognitively, mm. and that's only one small part of our intelligence. Yes. There's much more to us, right? And you tapped into it a minute ago, like if you were to think about the mind, and if I was to just imagine a circle and a, a line being drawn in the middle, mm. one part of the mind is a thinking mind. Mm. And that's the part that really is developed from all this conditioned thinking, right? These patterns. What we do normally is we, it's a problem solving machine, right? <laughs> the mind. Yeah, so what it does is we have a problem mm. and uh, yeah, we try to uh, resolve it from an intellectual perspective. But there is a part of us within that mind, and it's a seed for most of us, mm. that is what we call the observing mind, mm. or it's the part of us that allows things to happen, okay? Mm. And uh, mindfulness is actually helping us to learn how to become more aligned with that part of the mind, mm. because that part of the mind is able to uh, respond. Mm. When we align ourselves there, something happens, Absolutely. We can take a pause mm. and then we can stand in this space. It's space consciousness, right? This I find freedom. I'm doing I'm finding doing it now, Mary. I don't know about you. <laughs> and Eve, you know, you're giving us some great tips there because it is you know, you do find that when you're talking to someone that kinda knows this stuff and talking about mindfulness and you're talking about the breathing and things. You know, I know I would have suffered I meant if a couple of years back I would have suffered a bit of an anxiety. Um, at a certain point, I do think it was an overload of coffee at one stage. You know, I did realize there was coffee was actually accelerating a certain part of my anxiety. And I think that um, it is a stimulant, as we know, you know, but um, I think that, you know, certain pressures and certain things we put on ourselves, we do give ourselves an awful lot of pressure. And sometimes it's a case of just sitting back, stepping back and trying to find, as you said, identify with the problem sit back and breathe it out and take it, you know, and, and, and just kind of really try and, and deal with it in a different way. We have how to learn to how to cultivate this stillness inside us mm. and to learn how to kind of identify with this observing mind more. Mm. Like, just to give you a, a random fact, which I find very interesting, an enlightened person, right? Mm. And we kind of think, I don't know about you, but when I think about enlightenment, I kind of think of people in the Himalayas and yogis or whatever. Yeah. Children are born that way. Yes. It means to be able to be present yeah. to the miracle of life and to accept it as it is. Mm. So people who manage to kind of move in that, like say Thich Nhat Hanh or people like that, they have 80% less thought than the normal person. That's literally what it means. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they just reside in this yes. observing part of their mind. So it must it, be a great way to live, really. It you means know? that they it just get up in the morning, yeah. they have a cup of tea, they're content, they allow, they're happy with the tea. Yes. You know what I mean? When yes. they brush their teeth, they're not thinking, oh my God, what do I need to do? Oh, I didn't do that. I need to take out the bins. Yes. What he's doing is he's brushing his teeth, being aware of the sensation mm. of the toothpaste in the tongue and what is happening, the movement of the teeth, fully aware mm. of that, rinsing the mouth, the water going in, these movements, these activities that we do in autopilot, yes. we're not there. Mm. So if we're not there, where are we? Yeah, we're a, lot, a lot of us don't have the time to be thinking about these because we have kids to rear and we have jobs to rush off to and these things. You know, if I was to think about the toothpaste, all these sort of things, as well and great as it is, because I think a lot of these guys that doing the mindfulness and the Buddhas and the kind of different types of, you know, the, a different type of culture have got a lot of time. They don't have the same amount of pressures as the, as the Western world and the modern day 
problems that we have and they have the bit of time to kind of reflect on themselves, which I wish we had. You know, I wish it was something that we could have more time to reflect on these things. But I suppose this this is the misconception, right? Because it's funny and I'm glad you brought it up because I would find this with clients who come in. Mm. They say to me, you know, when I try to get them to integrate because it's about life is to be lived mindfully mm-hmm. and people think that okay when I do this this and this then I'll sit down and I'll do my mindfulness and I have to smile because I'm thinking but mindfulness is like when I'm here I'm breathing I'm aware of my breath okay you know that I'm actually present when you brush your teeth you can choose to be present to brushing your teeth mm. I think there's nothing more beautiful in a relationship or more um, productive really in a relationship than to be there simply be there for the person mm-hmm. you know so like um when we're on the automatic uh, the automatic pilot we're making yes. the sandwiches for the kids the breakfast whatever and everything's happening so quickly yes that we're never really there so it's about learning to not alter our lives whatsoever mm-hmm. because that is this is your life right mm-hmm. but it's about learning how to actually really be here like to really be in this moment mm-hmm. and this is where the training comes in this is this is where um where the the treasure is Mm. but it's also where the challenge is so the issue often mindfulness is forgetfulness so yes i would agree that probably like initially when you start trying to learn to become mindful it's a good idea to try and put maybe five ten minutes formal practice right yes where you'll actually sit and try and do a guided meditation or silent meditation so that you can understand what it's like to experience the mind being silent Mm. um bearing in mind that silence means just gently coming back to your breathing all the time because the mind thinks so to sit in silent meditation doesn't mean we have no thought it means that when the thoughts come we recognize them we let them go and then we come back with our breath again into the present moment so the breath the anchor the foundation of all mindfulness is conscious breathing okay because if you're breathing consciously you can be there for your teeth when you're brushing them if you're breathing consciously you can be there for your children when they're talking to you yes if you're breathing consciously you can eat your cornflakes being there for your cornflakes. Okay. <laughs> right. Very important. <laughs> and this is life, yeah, you know. So this is the misconception <laughs> that we have to be, you know, in a monastery. Yes. But absolutely not, because the most amazing thing about Thich Nhat Hanh and the reason why I think he's just such a treasure to humanity is his Buddhism is called Engage Buddhism. It's all about doing everything mindfully. There they talk about walking meditation, breakfast meditation, airport meditation, shopping meditation. Oh my everything. God. Because God. what they're showing Doesn't get is, anything done at all. But, this, <laughs> <laughs> but what they're actually kind of trying to display is life I bet he's got no meditation. children. He's no kids. You know, the pressures that well, we have. Well, he says he has a thousand of them. Oh, there because he's nine monasteries around yeah. the world, right? And so we, we won't we won't go there with that one. <laughs> thousand children, <laughs> you won't ask any questions. Yeah, yeah. But no, I know what you're saying. He's like he's, he looks at things from that perspective, and he takes on everybody on board. He, everybody's his children. He, he's he's obviously full a of thousand, love. He's a thousand monastics. Mm. Like he's it's just mm. through pure love they literally yeah. evolved themselves. So he's in hermitage mm. in South France, but there's nine around the world, and at the moment there's people like you or me. They yeah. just go there. You see, it's not a religion. It's a philosophy, right? Mm. It's about a philosophy about learning how to be present and how to train the mind. Well, obviously, it's a philosophy that's really taken on and really been taken seriously at this stage, you know. And I think that even to take a little percentage, a little bit of that and take some part of the mindfulness, you know, as I said, it would be all great, well and good if we all lived our lives purely through this this technique in this way and I think that it's definitely something that really is quite specific you have to really learn and nurture and find those ways of, of dealing with that and I love it I wish I could live my, le- my life a bit more mindfully but I think as I said it might come in time who knows I might go see Tick what's his name Tick Tick Nathan I love that name yeah. that's a great name Thai they call him a short for teacher it's Vietnamese for teacher Thai. he was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize by Martin Luther King oh my god yes. wow so he's been doing this work for decades incredible yeah. wow yeah. and phenomenal. it's only now that the science Amazing. is beginning to realise oh my god everything mm. he's saying it's yeah. true it's so true it's all true and as you said it stems back to like little children that's when they're, they're the most you know, they're born a certain they're they're born open to everything you know what I mean they're the little sponges and, and just try and instill the mindfulness which they're doing at the moment in a lot of school, schools which is fantastic I know my little fellow who started school 
school in September. He's nearly finished junior infants, bless him. But um, he's five, and as I said, in recent months he's been talking about um, they doing the meditation. But he does a sit. His daddy was saying to him one day um, because his daddy's taken up um, meditation, and uh, he's really into his meditation at the moment. But um, my little boy had said to him, "No, that's not the way you do it, daddy. You do it this way." And he bent, he's crossed his little legs and put his hands out and he's going. Um, like this for his his you know his mindfulness uh, moment. But this was all really he was teaching you know us how to do it because this is how he does it. You know, and of course he's five and he knows better than anybody. You know, he knows how to do it the right way. You know, <laughs> but I love it. I think. It's but the kids are so that's the thing. You know, because like they're like sponges, right? Yeah. And what's really important, I think, is when we bring it out to children in primary school and secondary mm. school, we're teaching them. Like when you just think about the curriculum, I think about the curriculum that I had. Mm. It was so academic. It was. It was yeah. all, oh my God, and your grades determined, you know, um, your intelligence or your ability to live. When, mm. you know, we weren't taught how to be, how to learn to be there for ourselves. Absolutely. How to look mm. after my emotions, mm. you know, how to respond or even things like communication skills. Mm. There are so many soft skills that I see as a, a therapist where people come to me, you know, um, just these deficits that, um, because, you know, we come from various families. What's normal? There is no necessarily normal family, but different families have different strengths and, and weaknesses. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So there is this whole soft skills as well as the mindfulness that I think mm. um, is it's ideal for children to learn them as part of the curriculum. I totally agree there. Yeah. Totally agree. hundred percent. I think that that's the thing. That's the thing we're missing. You know, really it is, uh, I think that, you know, all well and good to learn things in school. But what's really sets them, you know, what's really going to stand to them in their future life ahead, kids, is really having the tools. And we're all talking about tools and the inner resources. And it's how they have to learn these inner resources to how to deal with life and the challenges. Because, my God, there's a lot more. They're a lot more vulnerable and there's a lot more out there than there ever was before. I know from my own school, school days and, you know, a lot of things now because I have, uh, you know, a nine year old and a five year old and I kind of watching them and I see how they are integrating in school and seeing how things are. And it's great to see so many changes, but I definitely can relate to a lot of stuff because a lot of things are triggered back to when I was in school. And I can see that, you know, the things that I faced and uh, the challenges that I had. And I, and I know that it was never dealt with. You no, know, things were never dealt with. And there was such a lot going on back in the days, you know, and at least they're, they're a lot more open to things. But having sporadic days here and there and trying to bring different programs into the school, I think that that's all great and everything else. But um, really what I'm looking at with the UNUA, the UNUA program I'm looking to bring into the schools is really about impact and the message and really giving these kids a proper a proper go with this, you know, and proper set of, of, of um, instructions on, on, on how to live, you know, and how to be more mindful, um, how to believe themselves and how to find those inner resources, those strengths in a fun way. And um, I'm bringing the whole package into basically the school. And as that that's something I'll be looking at and uh, and as that putting it all my all into it, you know, but um, I know that something is lacking and something needs to change. There has to be some reform and there's never going to be a better window of opportunity in the schools and the educational system than to do it, as I said, through schools, you know. And I think hugely important will be involving like the teachers. Absolutely. Because, you know, they'll learn from, we can go, Mm. you can go and teach children and stuff, but I think like the teachers themselves, you know, it's interesting because uh, after you invited me on the the show, I was just on Facebook at one point and mm. uh, I was thinking about they have a book in, in the Plum Village tradition called Planting Seeds, which is for children. Mm. But um, just the other day, it came, it came down on my feed, actually, from one of the monastics there. His name is Brother Fat Blue. He's, a, he's an amazing person. He spends his whole time there, mm. his whole life devoting it to begin to children and the younger people. So they have a wake up movement, it's called. Mm. But um, so yeah, they've just actually written a new book called "Happy Teachers Change the World," mm, right? Fantastic. So I, yes, so it's just a recognition that, like, in order for you to actually, um, uh, in order for 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 it to be very effect- effective, I think, growing up yes. through the schools with the children and that, like, the teachers have to emulate absolutely what they're <laughs> absolutely what they're you know. It's I like, totally totally agree there, yeah. and it's funny. I had um, Jacinta Kish on recently on the radio. With, her, with myself and it was um, we were talking about the very same thing um, Jacinta Kish is a she's a lecturer and she's out there doing a lot of great work but she's for the last 25 in Trinity College she's doing it at the moment but uh, for the last 25 years she's worked in the educational system she's worked in schools and she's basically taught um, it's um, behavioural you know okay. within within the workplace and within the school uh, behaviour and how to kind of integrate with kids and how to you know it's all been about behaviour 
you know and, and how they integrate with children and it's all about that and she did say the very same thing which I know is so important it's not just about showing the kids new ways it's the teachers as well will pick up a lot along the way and they are it's essential because they're Absolutely. with the children every day and to see what ways new ways and new approaches and new ways of dealing with things um, that are available so um, because yeah. kids like they just absolutely believe that mm. what comes out of an adult's mind they just take it literally right yes you know, can oh, you this is it. <laughs> yeah I know listen we're, we're, we trust we're them so yes, much this right? is it. But you know yourself somebody might say something to you and say oh you know this is say one thing and then you, you can take it on board and it's, it's, it spreads you know what I mean and it could yeah. not be the right facts at all but we tend to do that as grown ups as well you know yeah. but you can imagine children are a lot more susceptible and more, more prone to taking information and um, we're going to take a little break here now you're listening to Together FM. We broadcast from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Friday and from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturday. Only on togetherfm.com. We're back on um, sitting here talking to Neve Kelly and we are talking about coming out of your comfort zone, which is something a lot of people are afraid to do. And um, I can totally get that, why we would have those fears. But um, I'm going to give you a little idea as to where my my story um, back last August I was at home my two kids and I hadn't worked in, in quite a while I hadn't I gave up a lot to kind of be at home with my kids and I was fortunate enough to be in that position now things were very very difficult and I went through a lot of difficult times and um, my husband was unemployed at certain times but I, I made that choice to live um, live the life and, and I'm very basically as I said very basic and I, I was I was totally broke to be honest with you it was a difficult time but uh, you know I had the kids and they were my world and I just felt that's what mattered to me. My little fella started school in September and I reinvented myself and completely t- took myself out of my comfort zone. Um, I knew I was capable of doing it, but I was very daunting at first. And I was just thinking, Jesus, what am I going to do now? What's my assets? What am I good at? Where where do I start and what can I do? But I knew um, my heart and what was leading me was the fact that mental health was so meant so much to um, it, it affects so many of us and it meant so much to me to try and make a difference on that. And I came up with a program and um, it was a new you, which is a you knew And um, I put the five step program together and thought, well, what do people need? You know, and I thought, well, obviously, you know, it's something that I can relate to from every level is we need to realize that, you know, we are capable of doing things and we are capable of change. We need to find the self-belief within ourselves. Um, and, you know, and in order for that to happen, we need to be mindful of that. We need to kind of, you know, if we're going to make changes in our life and and take ourselves out of the comfort zone, we have to be able to deal with those stresses and those pressures that we're going to have in order to change um, nutrition and looking after our bodies and our, our lifestyle is so important. And um, and then there's other aspects, um, you know, holistic approach to health. You know, so many people are calling it screaming out for answers and uh, you know there has to be another way and holistic was another part of the program that we're doing and you know um and we launched in february and it was phenomenal and it was an amazing experience and i learned so much about myself but i was totally taken out of my comfort zone and even with the radio here as i said doing this every week and i've learned and met so many amazing people just like yourself neve and it's been extremely a major eye-opener and it's made me realize if i'm capable of these things and capable of coming out of my comfort zone well then every everybody is and I can tell you that everyone's so capable of, of, of doing great things and um, that's what I love about what you're doing I think you're going to give us a few tips on that and, and tell us a bit more yeah um, you're absolutely right I think everybody is and I think the really important place to start with is absolutely beginning to accept where we're at mm. you know no matter what difficulties we've been through we have a tendency to define ourselves by them you know um, like if you went through something difficult well this means that you know I'm incompetent or I'm incapable if you say lose your job or something like that mm. and what happens to us is that we can actually end up getting stuck right mm. so then this comfort zone starts to appear and this is the parameters with which we're comfortable uh, interacting with the world but actually after a period of time comfort zone isn't very comfortable at all is it because you might want to do something but it might require you to do uh, to take maybe bold and brave steps Mm. and uh, that can be quite difficult so um, in the mindfulness-based psychotherapeutic approach that I use and that I am a big fan of it's called acceptance and commitment therapy so it's the most progressive form of therapy really psychotherapy out there at the moment it's third wave therapy Mm. and it's um, comes under the umbrella cognitive behavioral therapy which you might have heard so kind of just uh, I suppose resolves any of the outstanding issues that were with them to date and moves forward a little bit But what it teaches really ultimately is how to be flexible psychologically. So when we're in our comfort zone, what happens is 
we actually become psychologically inflexible or stuck. Yes. Right. Mm. So I'll give you an example of myself even like uh, I think for everybody like learning to speak in public <laughs> right can be oh, actually yes. a big challenge right mm. <laughs> so uh, yeah I'll just use my own story because this is and I want to use my own story too because it's really important for people to understand that there's nobody out there who never had a challenge any of the people who've done great things in their lives you know like every one of them had to jump off the side of the cliff and yes. they didn't know if the parachute was open and they fell and mm-hmm. banged in the cliff on the way down and chunks were taken out of them and yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah, but we absolutely. have to learn how to um we have to learn how to jump out that cliff but we have to do it in a way that we're comfortable with. So what I was just uh, saying to you there in the break is what the way I kind of describe it is we have this comfort zone which isn't very comfortable mm. and then if you can imagine that as a little circle like as a shape of a circle and then just draw a small little um, kind of semicircle extending from that and that's a self-care zone okay mm. and um, outside of that again it's where the magic happens so we don't move from our comfort zone and take huge steps we just move in the direction of what it is that we want but in a way that we are comfortable with so it might be uncomfortable to an extent mm. but we feel we can cope okay so that's great. And uh, you might say to me, well, how mm. exactly do you take that step out of the comfort zone into the yes. self-care zone? Right. Mm-hmm. So there are different principles at play here when you do that. So the first one is we'll talk about there are six principles that we use. Right. So the first thing is to know what it is that I want. This could be something like I'm going to go back. I really want to. Uh, I really I really like animals for example so you might say and they might say like okay I want to go back and do a course so that step might be to actually um, diffuse from the thoughts that I'm not good enough to do this so the thoughts are really important mm. so to understand that when we have thoughts about something or even going back to my one about the, the speaking you know I'm afraid I'll make a mess of this or whatever to acknowledge that these are simply thoughts and mm. to recognize when these thoughts come up not to fuse with them because when we fuse with them we disconnect from reality does that make sense that we almost we identify with the thought and then we become that thought yes right mm. so it's a very important practice and that's something that I do with clients to actually help them disidentify from the thoughts mm. recognizing that I'm having the thought that it's scary to speak in public yes right and then if you find it's a very sticky thought you can say okay I'm aware that I'm having the thought that mm. it's scary to speak in public absolutely right? <laughs> and it, it, it's one of the most it's actually one of the biggest things that people are afraid of is speaking mm, in public yeah. it is because I think that you know it's it, it really it, it, it takes a bit of it takes a bit of um, you know it, it's just the way you, you actually think of yourself and, and you know at the end of the day I actually remember at one stage because I knew with the you know when we, we launched in 6th of February in the Green Isle Hotel with 140 people it was all it was very surreal now looking back <laughs> and, and being able to stand there and talk and it was something that I learned to talk more and more out there in front of everybody for over the five weeks. But the first night was the launch night and it was an incredible night. And um, I had to speak. And I remember before that speaking to, to somebody who was a coach um, and he was um, a public speaking coach. And I spoke to him over the phone. I says, I don't know what to do. I said, I'm very nervous. And at, like that, I'd never really spoken in front of such a large crowd. And it was very, you know, very I was t- petrified. Um, but he did say something which I think that uh, really stood to me and made me as it helped me through the whole process was that when you're speaking, whether you're speaking about the fire alarms, you're speaking or anything, once you believe in what you're talking about and once you can say it with conviction and once you're passionate about what you're saying, don't look inside yourself. Look at you know, outside with everybody else. Look outside with everybody. Everybody's out there and the ripple effects that it can have on everybody, the different things you have to say. And just, you know, once you know what you're, you're saying and you feel, you know, you you can relate to that, what you're saying, and you don't start looking at your insecurities within yourself. And it was ever way he said it, it just it made sense then and it just kind of made it easier. So I didn't really start panicking. Look, I was nearly drinking the bottle of rescue remedy, to be honest, with <laughs> my nerves are gone. That might have helped a bit, you know, but. Um, yes, exactly. So what you were saying is that really, you see, when thoughts come because they genuinely are simply thoughts, right? Mm. They're not facts. When we learn how to breathe consciously and come back into the moment mm. what we lear- what we have a space to do is then to choose how you're going to react to them okay whereas if you take up the thought and you become fused with it 
then you're going into, oh, I can't do this. It's very difficult. And it was interesting because last week I was in Toastmasters and I managed to sit down beside the actual uh, international president he was in 2003, 2004. Wonderful, really, really competent speaker. And uh, we were talking about public speaking. He said to me, you know, he came from um, a place in West uh, West Kerry or something and his mom had passed away when he was seven and it's quite a struggle for him. But he said what, when he came to public speaking and different things, what he said was, I always found myself in a room and then I'd say to myself, I'd see the door open into the next room. And then he, he said he's, he said he would say to himself, are you ready for this? Can you go into this room? And he never said no, but he never thought beyond the next room. So what he's saying is just like what I'm talking about here. He managed to step out of his comfort zone, just one step into his self-care zone. He didn't look at the end of the road. He didn't look at all <laughs> all the issues. He just took that one and he stayed confident. But in order to be able to do that, a second psychological um, principle mm. is the ability to be able to accept what we're feeling at the time. Mm. So a lot of the time, the reason why people can sh- find public speaking quite difficult is we get high anxiety, right? Yeah. So what we do a lot of the time uh, to cope with that is that we uh, resist it, right? So this struggle switch goes on in the back of our minds and it's like, I don't want this. I'm trying to control it. Mm. And the interesting thing is it's that that amplifies it. Mm. So another flexible principle that I work with with clients is teaching them how to, again, be present to come into the moment and to open themselves up to that emotion. Because when we literally embrace it, we recognize it, this is mindfulness, we accept it's there and we embrace it. This is the core of mindfulness. And when we do that, we literally, it literally dissolves. We allow it the space to flow uh, within us and, uh, and through us. And so, of course, people are going to be a little bit anxious when they're speaking in public and that's fine. Because one of the key things that's really important is to have a rich and meaningful life as a human being, you are going to experience the full gambit of emotions. Yes. Whereas we think we only want the good ones, mm-hmm. right? But if we're if we're going to really walk this path in humanity and pursue the things that mm-hmm. that matter to us, of course it's going to be scary sometimes. Yes. And people love the vulnerability side. You know, yeah. People can relate <laughs> right. to that. You yes. know, yes, it's yes, like absolutely. I, you know, this is the thing, and this is what you know. You know, everyone can relate to that vulnerability because. You know, everyone's in the same boat and no matter where you are, whatever level, like people can identify with you, you know, yeah. and I think that it can allow people to open up like the first night of you knew a Mary's there herself. <laughs> and it was um, it was incredible, you know, and we had um, Ema share her story and it was. Um, yeah, it, it was it was amazing. It was very empowering. And I think what is it? It kind of gives people permission yeah. to say it's OK. It is. And to say, yeah, it's OK. I'm human. You know, she's, you know when you share your vulnerability you share your whole humanity Absolutely. and that enables people to be more themselves mm. and accept themselves more I think it is it's so true and, and Emer shared her story that night the first night we launched and um, she's a life coach now and doing incredible work but you know her story was out there and she shared it on Facebook and 98,000 people following her on Facebook all supportive and, and all encouraging her her story was incredible and uh, she was a very inspirational person and uh, her story basically the fact that she was able to share it that night and she stood there and said and here I am six years later I'm a life coach and I'm able to stand here and I'm, I'm a stronger person now but I've adversity I've come overcome it and I've in, in a better place now and everybody is capable of change everyone's capable of coming from a really bad place and making that part of their journey to make them a stronger person and help others and the fact that she was open with her story and out there pr- sharing her story it allowed a lot of other people in the room and it was a very emotional nightmare wasn't it oh, yeah. a lot of people Absolutely. opened up and, and yeah. shared their stories and, and there was a lot of tears and laughter of and different so people connected and there was something yeah. With such a large group of people. Yeah, they really did connect. And of course, it kind of creates a very positive ripple then. Yes. When one person t- takes yeah. has the courage to say, well, actually, this is my story. And, you know, yeah. I'm not quite OK. You know, I mm-hmm. thought I was. And then so it's just, yeah, that's me, too. And then kind of. Yes. That's what creates that connection, I think. It certainly is. Absolutely. It, it, it was just uh, very overwhelming. I just say it really was. But and I think what mm-hmm. you're saying here is so super important because the key foundation of this psychotherapeutic approach which is uh, which I use is you know traditionally like psychologists psychotherapists counselors were seen as almost like experts and the clients you know had issues whatever whereas this is an actual absolute turning that on its head and it's saying this is the human condition here 
it's absolutely normal to have difficult experiences in life. We all go through them. It's absolutely normal to be overwhelmed at times, to not know how to cope, not know what to do and to get stuck and to get the skills to learn how to do this. Do you you know? And this is so seriously important. I found in my own healing Mm -hmm. to learn how to look in the mirror and say, if I'm going to love me, I need to learn how to love all of me. Yes. Not just the good parts. And I need to be okay with all of my story. Yes. Not just the good parts. And accept accept that as well. Because really, you know, at the ultimately like our whole journey in life is Mm. about love, really. Yes. And Mm. mindfulness is the ability to be able to um, connect with that part of ourselves. Mm. Because when I ask you to diffuse from your thoughts or to um, stand uh, and hold that energy of anxiety that you're feeling when you speak in public, Mm. what's holding it? It's love, right? Yes. So when Mm. I'm asking you to do that and the next psychological principle is about the observing self we spoke about earlier. It's learning to align yourself and become more identified with that part of you that is able to be have space yes. as opposed to connect with mm. the story of oh, I can't get up on the stage. I'm going to make a uh, bad. Do you remember what happened the last time? <laughs> All these thoughts, right? Yeah. So this is a story. And um, what we find in the work and what I use with clients quite a bit because it helps them to understand it is metaphors, because that what I'm speaking about there is almost um, it's difficult to conceptualize it necessarily, mm. but a very uh, brief and uh, good metaphor would be like the sky. So the metaphor of the sky, if you think about the sky, it is um, able to uh, hold all the weather that happens, right? So even the darkest thunder clouds, and no matter how rainy or stormy it is, mm. um, it is unaffected by um It is unaffected by it, right? And no matter how overcast it is, so if you're feeling very depressed or you're feeling very low, no matter how overcast it is, the sky is always behind the clouds. And that sky is who you are at your absolute essence. And that is mindfulness. To become Mm. in touch with that part of yourself. Mm. And when you start beginning to unlearn, to align yourself to that and identify that this is who I really am, that's where we learn how to get the space Mm. to hold the strong feelings to disidentify from the thoughts because we know that they are not who we are but we are the space in which they arise just like the sky that holds the weather that's lovely and we Mm. never get the sky is never affected by the weather so who you truly Mm. are is never affected by any of the dark experiences sensations memories thoughts and emotions it's a really fantastic way to put it because it it, it just explains things and it puts a a picture it's nice to be able to relate a situation in your your own life with an actual visualisation of that you know and I think the thing is as you said accepting different parts of us you know the good parts and the bad parts and um, if we accept the person that we are it's easier to accept everybody out there in society and you know and then as I said and we all my little philosophy my always, my thing that I always say to the kids is, you know one thing about life is that um, which is a little line that I came up with a few years back was that if you expect people to think like you and act like you you'll always be disappointed because not one person will ever think the same way and act the same way as you so it's about acceptance it's accepting that you are different you are unique and so is everybody else and, and try and find the good in everybody you know, and if you can so find important. the good is so important because, you know, it's too many of us can be very judgmental and assume things, you know, and it's about there is good in in most people. Do you know what I mean? There really is. And sometimes it's just a case of drawing that out and making that person because there's so many different people out there with troubles and they really don't know where to turn. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's, it's a great way if you can try and accept that, you know, there, there has to be a reason behind that and you can try and, and work with it. I'm glad you've said this because... Mm. I think the key thing that I have found Mm. through my own healing, and it was extremely difficult to work through the trauma and everything, was the belief in the good. I held on to the belief that there is good out there, that there's good in me, and that there's life worth living. And to see the good in other people, we have to be able to see it in ourselves, because the truth is, if you want to get kind of philosophical, Mm. there actually is no out there. What we see out there is just a projection of what we have with it between our two ears. <laughs> so the quality of our reality is a reflection of the quality of our own consciousness. Yes. And just to add on mm-hmm. to what you're saying, in order to be able to, 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 to make this step out of our comfort zone into something that happens, for many of us, we do need help, you know. Mm-hmm. So the final two psychological p- principles, I suppose, of the approach is 
to know what it is that matters to you. What is it that you want? What is it that you want that's outside of your comfort zone right now? Mm. And then to learn to take committed action or baby steps like you're doing and mm. like I'm doing, right? Uh, it's small, my first time on a radio show. Changes, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. my first time on a radio show. You you're know? doing brilliant. So yeah. to take these little steps <laughs> in the direction of what it is that I want and what I want is to live a rich and full and meaningful life. Mm. I want to be able to do the things that I want to do and I want to be able to learn how to make space for the uncomfortable feelings that manifest along the way and unhook for the thoughts. Mm. Uh, and that's what I want to do. So do you know what I was just going to say before we finish up? I just have to say, Neve, it's been fantastic having you shows today. I think I've learned so much from you in the short space of time, you know, since you walked through the doors. It's amazing what you can learn in such a short space of time once you keep yourself open to it. And I think the tips, and, and I'd love to hear a little a couple of tips as to what you would suggest. Uh, I think you've gone through a lot, but I think breathing. that... Breathing. I would say the most important thing that you will ever do in your life is to learn to come back to your breath. Mm. At, and this is not something we do when the day is over, the work's done, it's something we learn how to do in every moment. Mm. So a simple exercise to say to yourself is breathing in, and you say this inside in your own mind, I say it all the time, I know that I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know that I'm breathing out. In, out. Synchronize your breath all the time, being aware of it. When you walk, you can synchronize your breath and your steps. But when you're, anything you're doing, every few minutes to start learning how to come back to the breath, breathing in and out, because it brings us away from the mind which is dispersed, it brings the mind and the body together here into the present moment. Because the truth is, life is only available now. There is no past and really no future. It's only ever now. I love it. So yeah. you get to transform yeah. your past yes. and make a wonderful future when you know how to handle the present moment skillfully. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Absolutely. I'd love to finish up on that note because I think yeah. it's so true. And I'm doing my breathing as we speak. But <laughs> I'm sure there's many of you out there looking to, for contact details, how to get a hold of this <laughs> lovely lady. And thank you so much for being here today. You've been very inspirational and um, incredible. Yeah, so that's so wonderful. How Great. does anybody contact you? Great. So my um, practice is in Santry. I work out of Santry and my mm -hmm. mobile number is 85 one eight seven nine zero five nine. That's zero eight five one eight seven nine zero five nine. Or my company name is JLS. Mm. Uh, J for James, L for Love, S for Sean. JLS Mindful One L Mindful Resources at gmail.com JLS Mindful Resources at gmail.com. And I'm putting on an offer at the moment in relation to Brilliant. this. I'm offering a six week one to one uh, mindfulness skills course to within a psychotherapeutic space. So it's learning mindful skills, but applying them to our issues. And I'm doing it at a reduced rate of 123 euro, which is absolutely wow, excellent. That's, that's like amazing. just over 20 euros an hour. My God. Right. So I'll do that amazing. for a period. Yeah, fantastic. For people who are might listening have to who might be myself. interested. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> sounds fantastic. It really so thanks is for having so me. beneficial. I'm so passionate about this. Oh, I can see yeah. that. <laughs> it is, it's just, it's, you can just see how it, it oozes out of you, the whole passion you have for this. And I think it's uh, contagious. As I said, you certainly, I've caught on to it now. And uh, <laughs> So I think, you know, thank you so much, everyone, for listening in today. And thank you so much, Neve and um, Neve Kelly and also Mary on the desk here. Yeah, thank you. And could I say, Neve, you're a great advertisement. If listeners could see you, like yes. first time on radio, came in, we we're in the middle Phenomenal. of discussing after having all that hassle getting here. Still calm mindful and Mindful breathing oh, in the taxi. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm mindful yeah. breathing in the taxi the whole way over going, I'm okay with this. We'll let it. This is the present moment. This is what life is giving me now. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. 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 So listen, sure, thanks for today. And um, we hope that you'll tune in next week. Thanks. Thank you.